Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. This is Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Let's go get the show going, man. It's a terrifying way to come into a studio and, you know, you're getting ready for a show and all of a sudden you turn off two monitors and you have no idea how you just did that. I guess we have touch screens. (laughs) I guess that's what that is. How's it going? Happy Friday. Happy football Friday to you. It's Leprechaun Lunch. I am Jimmy Rosari. Uh, show brought to you today by Legacy Heating and Air. Ask how you can get free maintenance for life and save like a champion today. Also by South Bend Orthopedics, trusted in the community for over 75 years. Whew. We made it through the gauntlet. We made it. Got through it. Four straight games of top 25 opponents and primetime matchups. Done. Could it have gone better? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, 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 yeah. A million times underlined, repeated, yeah. By the way, hi, Twitchells. Personally, I think Notre Dame should have been like starting to make plans for a berth in the college football playoff at this point. Is that a hot take? I don't know. Regardless, they're going to be on the outside looking in as far as the playoff goes, barring the miracle of all miracles, plus all sorts of other unimaginable sorcery and wizardry and witchcraft on top of that. Them's the breaks, though. Can't do anything about it now. It's all in the past. All right. A New Year's Six Bowl, though. Hmm. A New Year's Six Bowl. Not out of the realm of possibility. Probably still got some mm, decently long odds. The Irish are going to have to be really impressive on all facets of the game plan for that to happen. What's weird or... Just plain crazy to think about, too. And I was thinking about this you know, this morning as I'm getting ready for this show. Um, what's weird to think about is that they haven't even put it all together in one game yet. Think about it. The early part of the season, offense playing out of their minds. It's just 
points on points on points on points on points on points on points. Tackling? A little sloppy. Since tackling is the whole damn point of defense, that's not exactly a great way to you know play football. But considering the competition, they were able to get away with it. Problem then became play calling and execution. And they still hadn't, you know, really solved the tackling thing yet either. The Ohio State game, you know, play calling and execution of the Ohio State game, it was 10 men on the field for the last two plays. For the Duke game, it was most of the game. Most of the second half, anyway, I should say. First half, you know, they were actually up 10 nothing at halftime, so... Some missed opportunities, though. The Louisville game, it was just the the whole damn thing. Whole damn thing. You can point to various plays in all three of those games, though, and ask, what the hell's going on here? What are they doing? Sure, Marcus Freeman, the coaching staff, the players, they all held themselves accountable in those times, but I thought there were a lot of situations that Notre Dame put themselves behind the eight ball. And they just didn't need to do that. There were some plays that just, like, they didn't make sense for the situation that they were called. You know, everybody goes to that to that fourth down from the from the 35-yard line. It was one of them. I wouldn't have done it at that time in the game. Not exactly a whole heck of a lot of confidence in your defense at that point either. Mm. And then two weeks ago against USC, defense lights out. Absolutely lights, like clinical. Al Golden made an incredibly potent USC offense look fairly pedestrian. That might be an insult to pedestrians, but I'm not sure. Front seven were in Caleb Williams' face all night. With the exception of one play, Marshawn Lloyd was mostly ineffective. The secondary, holy cow, the secondary, out of their minds. Watts, Morrison, Harper, Hart, Lewis, all those guys showed up against the Trojans. And yes, I am fully aware that USC had more total yardage and trounced Notre Dame in the time of possession. However, I said this two weeks ago uh, with Reggie on the postgame show. I'll say it again. It's kind of tough to win those battles when your offense is given a short field, thanks to five turnovers, and you have three-second drives as a result. Kind of cause and effect a little bit. It's debatable. I mean, it's an easy debate to win, but it's still debatable that Notre Dame's defense snuffed out Caleb Williams' chance to win two Heisman trophies in a row. Like, talk about dudes who are going to have to be impressive to, uh, to get back into that conversation especially with the way Michael Penix Jr. is playing right now. Holy cow. There's my money bet right there. The offense, though, when it wasn't given a short field off of a turnover, the offense couldn't really come up with much. Now, I think I think the run game got their mojo back after being stopped by Louisville. I mean, <laughs> anything after that Louisville game would have been an improvement. But the run game got their mojo back. You know, 125 uh, 
running yards against USC. Pretty solid. Good comeback. Good comeback. They heard the doubters. They shoved it in their faces. Passing game couldn't execute, though. Aside from Sam Hartman's touchdown pass to Chris Tyree, no receiver would have had more than 25 yards. Like, Tyree wouldn't have had over 25 yards if it wasn't for that pass. What was it, 33? 33 yards? None of the receivers had more than two catches. They still punted five times. They were still th- uh, three and ten on third down. It wasn't until Jadarian Price took it to the house that the USC felt like it was actually over. The way the defense was playing that day, it should have been over well before that point. Well before that point in the fourth quarter. So, fortunately, we get to we get to the bye week, and now we've got Pitt coming in this weekend. First of all, hi Phil, hi C, hi Cebo. Second, Pitt's defense not terrible. It's not going to be the worst defense that Notre Dame's faced all season. Their front seven, <laughs> I I would love to have a defense that held itself to this kind of a standard. Uh, their front seven's apparently having an off year because they're 15th in the country in sacks. Which, if you're thinking, hey, what's wrong with 15th? They're typically top four. So 15th, a bit of an off year. Excuse me while I play the world's smallest violin for the front seven. Secondary can be had, though. It has to be had, I think, for, for Notre Dame if they want to make this game a laugher early and start impressing upon New Year's Six Bowl and college football playoff people, because they determine those New Year's Six. The receivers specifically have to show up. I mean, it, it, it can't all be Mitchell Evans. It can't all be Holden Stays, can it? Wide receivers have been inconsistent at best. The tight ends have more than pulled their weight. The tight ends have played out of their minds, quite honestly. Like, nobody expected this kind of tight end production. But then again, this is tight end you. And granted, injuries have hampered that consistency as far as, as, far as wide receivers go. I, I get that. I get that. And this is no slam against Jordan Faison. Not one... Not a slam at all. Just follow me here, though, okay? If the wide receivers have been playing well, would he have a football scholarship right now? I mean, think about it. Like, he probably doesn't get off the scout team if the wide receivers are playing well right now. You know, he's probably probably still on walk-on status, you know, still with the lacrosse scholarship, I guess, but... He he got that playing time, sure, due to injuries going into the Louisville game. Unavoidable. Couldn't help it. You know, he, he, was, he was next man up. Step right up, son. Here's your jersey. Here's your pads. Again, them's the breaks. And let me, again, be clear, in case, in case you're just tuning in in the middle of this paragraph here. It's great that he took full advantage of the situation that he was put in. Great. It's fantastic. All right? 
He made the one big play that Notre Dame made that whole Louisville game. He was it. That, that long touchdown pass was it. You know, aside from all the mistakes, really. Um, that's Moving on. I'm genuinely happy for him. I really am. I, hell, I love seeing a walk-on get a scholarship. Love it. Those videos of players getting scholarships after working their asses off as walk-ons, playing on scout teams. It's one of the reasons why college football, and, and really college sports, college sports in general, can be better than anything Hollywood puts out. Better than, like, like there's, there's nothing better than, than going through those videos. You could send me every single one of those videos, Every single one of them, whether it be a TikTok, an Instagram, YouTube, whatever. You could send that to all of my social medias. You could send it to my email. And I'm still watching every single one of them. Come on, they're awesome, man. Come on. You don't have a heart if you don't think that those videos are awesome. I'm watching every single one of them. I need that. I need that serotonin boost, quite honestly. Pitts two and five. Clemson's lost three games already this season. A bit of an off year. Wake Forest, they started strong against weak opposition. They've been one and three in the ACC now. They're four and three too. Stanford. Stanford, I think, has been too busy thanking every power in the universe that they get to stay in a major conference. After the Pac-12, you know, finally dissolves and goes away. That'll be here before you know it, you know? Wow. At least three of those games, at least three of those games, need to be put out of reach early by Notre Dame. Three. Clemson might be a little tricky. Not going to lie. Like, that could be a little tricky. Hell, Pitt could be a little bit tricky. If the front set, you know, if if the front seven shows up, you know, like the fifteenth rated sack defense in in the country, well, you know, then things get a little bit more difficult, don't they? Sam Hartman doesn't really have as much time to to pass the ball, does he? Puts all of the pressure on the running game at that point. But Clemson could be, you know, like these these. Really, any of these next four games could be tricky. Clemson definitely could be tricky, though. Like, the other three, I'm pretty confident Notre Dame's just got better talent. Like, that alone, I think, wins them the game. Can't really slouch on that. Got to execute. Got to tackle. You got to play well. But talent-wise, they take care of those three teams. Clemson is having an off year and might be able to pull one out of you know where. All right, that's a rivalry, right? By the way, like I was, I was, I was looking this up. That's a rivalry, right? I mean, everything that's happened, you know, on the field between Notre Dame and Clemson over the last ten years. I mean, hell, nineteen seventy-seven, even the you know the national championship game. Everything that's happened, you know, but especially over the last you know ten, fifteen years or so between Notre Dame. Like, that's got to be a rivalry, right? 
Like if we're if we're going to call rivalries against teams that uh, that Notre Dame you know has oh I don't know an eighty seven and thirteen record against or you know a forty eight and twenty seven record against if you're going to call those rivalries you've got to call this a rivalry too all right. I get it, it's not it's not necessarily one of the annual ones, but it happens enough. I think it is. I think that's a rivalry. For too long this university called Purdue a rival, for God's sake. You know what? I'm the host. I get to set that decree. So Clemson is a rival. Clemson is officially a rival. Also, I'm going to declare that if Notre Dame wins the rest of their games by at least 14 points, they're playing in a New Year's Six Bowl. 14. I think I think that's... I mean, you can go more than 14. <laughs> Every little bit helps. But 14, I think, has to be the gap. Because 14, you know, like... Okay, a couple of garbage time touchdowns by by Wake Forest or Stanford or whoever. Okay, whatever. Like, they're playing against the fourth string at that point. But 14, that's got to be, that's got to be the margin of victory here. That's what they, that's what their margin of victory needs to be to get to a New Year's Six Bowl. Set that in stone. All right? Friday, October 27th, 12, 17, and 32 seconds. I make the decree. Notre Dame is in a New Year's Six Bowl. And I would appreciate it if you would not go looking at my betting record of late. Okay? Just, 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 put that out, just put that out of your mind, okay? Get out of here. Get out of here with that, okay? Stop trying to look at my phone and count the tears come, you know, rolling down my cheek every time I place a bet. And then after the game, the more tears that, it, that come rolling down my cheeks. Gotta believe, gotta believe it for it to happen, you know? And I believe that. I believe Notre Dame makes a New Year's Six Bowl this year. They just gotta go out and curb stomp everybody. The rest of the way. And also beat Clemson somewhat somewhat convincingly. Dabble would be more than anything I want. And I know it's looking ahead. I know it's looking ahead. And I apologize for that. But there's just something about beating Dabo. <laughs> that would really, really just be awesome. Just that dumb look on his face. Ugh. The more you can, the more you can give Dabo Sweeney that dumb look on his face. I don't know what CW is. Ugh, God. <laughs> Golly, get out of here. 
more times you can give them that dumb look, the better. All right. Because if you look, there, there's like a little bit of you know, just like a little bit of a little bit of drool in the corner of his mouth. Anyway, Leprechaun lunch rolling on. Uh, Marcus Freeman had his uh, had his little Zoom teleconference yesterday. Some interesting things came out of that, actually. It wasn't one of those just, hey, let's take 15 minutes and uh, just kind of talk about stuff that we covered on Monday. No, there was, there was some stuff. There was some meat to this. We'll go through that next. Leprechaun Lunch on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Leprechaun Lunch on a Friday. Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Game day tomorrow. Live from Eddie Street Commons. Join myself and Tim Growl. We'll be out there uh, 10 a.m. to noon. Right next to Brew Burger. And we're, pre- we're apparently bringing the meat tomorrow. What in the hell are you talking about? Here's what I mean. All right, our scheduled guests, all offensive linemen. From the uh, 09 to 0, <laughs> 012. From the 09 to 2012 team, Braxton Cave. We've got uh, from the uh, 07 and 08 teams, Dr. Thomas uh, Bemendurfer. Doctor, ooh. That, that right there, you know, jumps it up a notch. And from uh, between 90 and 93, Lance Johnson and Jordan Jordan Halter. They're going to be stopping by. We've got shirts, too. The brand new game day shirts. We've got those for you. Stop by early or else you miss out on, on the shirts. That's just the way that goes. Okay? All right. That's all uh, tomorrow, 10 a.m. to noon. Legacy Heating and Air game day with myself and Tim Growl. We'll be out there and... Uh, so will an, an entire offensive line. So join us, won't you? Weather is actually not supposed to be terrible tomorrow either. Like, there, there's a chance of some rain, like, you know, early in the morning. Like, er, like you know, 4 or 5 o'clock tomorrow morning. And then again, like, at night, like late in the evening, 10, 11 o'clock. So... You'll be fine. You'll be f- maybe a sweater. You know, maybe maybe a hoodie would be good. I'll have the old reliable, you know, gray Under Armour hoodie on, as always, per use. So, anyway, join us. Marcus Freeman uh, yesterday, as is uh, as is the routine. Uh, has a media availability on media availability on Thursdays uh, on Zoom with the media, and uh, here is that audio. Starting off with Mr. John Bryce. Hey, Marcus, appreciate the time. Uh, a couple of questions, quick questions here. First, on Dylan McCullough and the running backs room, uh, what is it that allows Dylan to not only get the most out of those guys, but but to manage such a deep backfield and seemingly keep everyone happy and cohesive. And then also, uh, what does it say about the guys in that position group? I think it starts, it always starts with trust and the connection that, that Coach McCullough must have with the guys in the room that they trust 
that the decisions we make as a coaching staff and he makes as a running backs coach is it what's best in, it's, it's in the best interest of Notre Dame but also um, with his players and so it starts with that and I always I believe the foundation of any strong room starts with trust um, but two it's a it's a to me a credit to the unselfishness of those guys you know you have a lot of talented running backs um, that have continued to develop the skill set is continuing to develop um, but they're unselfish and they're willing to you know whoever's in the game um, that, that's what's best for our team and they take advantage of their opportunities and, and maybe don't count every rep right make your reps count but don't count every rep and so um, I, I'm really pleased with that room and, and I'm really pleased with the development you know, Audric, the development of him over these past three years, um, you know, then you got Jeremiah Love and Jadarian Price and, and, and really where they started from to where they're at now is a credit to Coach McCullough and his development, the trust, but also the unselfishness, unselfishness of those guys. And just a, a quick different type of football question. I'm uh, doing a feature on Notre Dame soccer goalie Brian Dowd, and I'm not sure if you're aware of this or not, but he told me that he has the one play, one life mantra written on his goalie gloves. And so I didn't know if you were aware of that. And either way, um, what does it mean to you or what do you think when you hear of another athlete on the Notre Dame campus uh, sort of incorporating some of your philosophies? Well, I think it's reaffirming as a, as a head coach or as a leader that the culture you're trying to permeate through your team um, is continuing to work, right? And so we always say it goes from paper to head to heart. So what we say on the walls, one play, one life, it goes from the walls to your head to your heart. And for Brian to use that in in the, in, in the sport of soccer, um, it truly tells me that he believes in that culture. He believes in that that saying of one play, one life. And so uh, it's really pleasing to hear that. We'll go next to Tim O'Malley. Hey, Coach, I was wondering what, what are some signs you needed to see this this particular week in practice with the team coming off a big win and time off to celebrate it? Because I just imagine it's much different than the last time you played after a loss and undefeated USC coming in where naturally you're, I mean, your team is going to be up for that week of practice no matter what. Yeah, as you look back to last week, Tim, we wanted to, um, one, get better, but also to make sure our guys are fresh and they come back from this bye week um, mentally and physically uh, ready to roll. And so the challenge for me was to, okay, when they get back, we had to create some friction. We had to make it difficult. Or we would practice Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, which isn't typical on Mondays. We, we usually do a walkthrough, but we practice on Monday and, and we got after them on Tuesday and, and Wednesday, but we had some really good practices. We weren't perfect. Right? We wanted to create, though, that friction that it, it really takes to grow, right? And we had to grow as a team this week. And so I challenged our coaches, I challenged myself, and I challenged our players that we have to do good on good. We have to do um, some challenging situations. And so I was really pleased. Um, I just told the staff um, of really how these three practices went um, and where we're at right now as we head into a Thursday, Friday. Is now you got to just continue to smooth out the details to get ready to go on Saturday. We'll go next to Sean Styers. Hey, Mark, is that a question and then maybe a couple follow-ups with um, sign stealing being the story that it has been this week? I'm curious how often you change your signs over the course of a season. Um, we do it every, you know, I would say a couple times a year. And the, the reality is, is that you have to not only change your signals, but also mix up who's live and who's not. And so, um, I feel like we've done a good job, and that goes back to my time as a coordinator. I started when I first became a coordinator here at Notre Dame as the defensive coordinator. Um, I was doing signals, 
right? And I did that at Cincinnati. And then when I got here, you realize how often you're on TV and, and you have to change up who's signaling, who's live and, and have a good system. And so I, we've, we, we do a lot of uh, really a self, um, you know, self-scouting in terms of how often somebody's live, what signals are we using? Do we have multiple signals to, to give the same um, call to the offense or defense? And so it, 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 it changes often, um, but there's also change not only in your signals, but who's live and what they're signaling. Have you ever, um, yeah, I guess, been in the middle of a game and, and felt like maybe the other guys might have your signs? And, you know, also, are there, you know, maybe staffs that have a reputation going in that you know you're going to have to kind of uh, be on your toes with? Sean, we assume every opponent we go against studies our signals, um, will have an idea of what our signals are. And so, um, there's been games over my career that I felt like the opposing team has maybe had our signals and, you know, we're calling things out. So you have to go to the sideline and adjust. But what you can't do is confuse your players. And that's always the, the double-edged sword is that, okay, we want to make sure we're not just telling an opponent what we're doing, but we also want to make sure our guys have clarity in what they're doing. So, um, yes, we've changed signals within a game um, if we felt like a team had our signals. Um, but two, we have to to be really cautious on making sure our players are very clear on um, who's live and what the signals are. Because I've seen that too: is that somebody gets confused on who's the live signaler, and um, he doesn't get the right signal, and that can be ca- catastrophic to your team. We'll go next to Eric Hansen. Hey, coach, I got a couple related. For you, I'm going to pause between the first part and the second part. The first part is you mentioned that you got to see some of the younger guys um, perform last week. As you look at the quarterback, Steve Angeli and Kenny Minchie, where tangibly have they benefited from Sam Hartman being on the roster this year? I think the most important thing they've benefited is the preparation. How they prepare throughout the week, outside of the time, um, that's permitted through the NCAA rules, right? The four hours we get with them a day, you know, it's uh, the preparation in terms of watching film, a routine, a pre-practice routine, a post-practice routine. That's the biggest uh, addition they've received from Sam Hartman. And, and they all do it, right? They're always together. They're always watching film together. They're always going through the routine together. And so that to me has been the biggest benefit. My follow-up has to do with 2024, and I know you've got a game, you got four or five games left this year, but I know you mentioned in August you were already doing the calculus about what the quarterback in 2024 might look like, and I'm wondering where are you in the process in terms of inviting the thought of a portal guy or, or not? Yeah, I think all options right now are in consideration. Um, that's something we said that we'll truly discuss the second bye week on, um, you know, what is going to be a decision moving forward. You know, I feel really good about the the future of our program um, at the quarterback position with the guys coming in, with the guys we have here. But you you look at numbers too, right? Every every Most rosters have four quarterbacks on scholarship, which um, we lost when um, – um, Tyler left, you know, and so we've been in discussions on what we want to do. Do you want to take another <coughs> quarterback um, or do you not? You know, we have three quarterbacks on scholarship right now. So we'll make final probably decisions here as we get into the next bye week. But I am, again, I'm, 
I'm really pleased with the growth um, and confident with the growth and the performance of, of Kenny and Steve Angeli. And our last question will be from Tyler Horka. Hey, Coach, every team seems to have guys who aren't team captains but kind of come across as one. And Nano Osafo Mensa kind of seems like one of those guys. We've seen videos of him really pumping up the team in the locker room before games and whatnot. So I'm just curious in what ways you've seen that from Nana and just kind of what he's meant to your group over the last few years. Yeah, Nana's a great example of, of the challenge I have for our entire team is that you don't have to be named a captain to be a leader. And uh, Nana is a great example of that. He is a outspoken uh, leader. Um, he leads through the way he performs, but also through, you know, sometimes his verbal emotion. And um, uh, he's a well-respected guy amongst our players, and uh, he's done just a great job. And, and another guy that just takes advantage of his opportunities, right, and a guy that probably deep down would want to be the starter and get more reps, but he didn't complain. He gives you everything he has with his reps and gives his team um, as much leadership as he has in his body. And so um, we need guys like Nana to reach our full potential. You can't just rely on only the head coach or only the captains to to be leaders. It's the same way we do as a coaching staff. Everybody's relying on me and the things I say um, to be just the, the leadership of this program, then we won't reach our full potential. You know, I have to make sure we're all aligned as coaches, but we empower our coaches to lead. We empower our, all of our leaders um, to lead. And so Nana is, is a true example of a leader um, for our program. Hang on, back that up a couple minutes there. <laughs> did did he say he'd go to the transfer portal again for another quarterback? He did. Well, not so much saying yes, but all options right now are under consideration. Which, by the way, I want to put on a t-shirt right now. <laughs> it hasn't gone badly with Notre Dame quarterbacks coming out of the portal. Hasn't gone badly. Jack Cohn went 11-2, and two, started all 13 games. Sam, Sam Hartman has a chance to go, uh, let's see, what, 11-2 and two as well. That's worked out pretty good. I mean, it shouldn't be such a... I don't know, treated like a swear word. Okay, so yeah, you've got Steve Angeli and you've got Kenny Minchie there. Okay, cool. You've got C.J. Carr coming in as well. I get it, okay. But what if they're not ready? Like, you're going to go from this year... Like, you're you're going to repeat, basically, going from Jack Cohn to... Tyler and Drew Pine. Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine, right? You want to go up? You want to ride that roller coaster again? I don't. No, sir. By the way, it's a it's a damn shame that, that Hartman's eligibility is just done after this year. Like I, <laughs> I, I think a second year Sam Hartman at, at Notre Dame would be Phenomenal. But eligibility.
And sure, you know, like Angeli look has looked good in in, in blue gold games and, and things like that, and obviously looks good enough in practice to be the backup. And Kenny Minchie, you know, freshman coming in, but highly regarded. C.J. Carr, highly rega- highly regarded recruit. He'll be here in January. But what happened? You know, like, do we, do we want to ride that roller coaster, or, or do you want to win? Like, that's a question that you get. There were so many guys who who felt, and I know this is just the way that the transfer portal has turned college sports into, but there's more than enough guys who, who have basically said, well, if I'm not sh- starting, I'm out of here. Okay. That's fine. We can we can go find somebody in the portal. It's okay. Hell, Colorado is competitive. Colorado's relevant this year because they rebuilt the entire damn team out of the portal. You think Notre Dame is six and two? Should should be seven and one. Um but you think they're 14th ranked in the country? You think they're on, you know, you think they've at least got a shot at a New Year's Six Bowl with Tyler Buckner or Drew Pine? No offense to those guys. I mean, they 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 played they played good. They played good. But you weren't going to win a national championship with either of those guys. There was no shot in hell. Like, regardless of how last year would have gone, too. You know, like, regardless of, of, of losing to Marshall, regardless of, you know, losing to Stanford last year. Like, championship wasn't going to happen. And consider, <laughs> like... I know that they just honored the 88 team or the 89, whatever year, 88, I I believe it was. Um, I know that they just honored the 88 team this year, and that's fine. They should get their flowers. They won a national championship, for God's sakes. That was the last one. I don't know. I'd rather win, but that's just me. Do what you got to do. I I trust the judgment. So, I'll be honest. I trust the judgment a lot. You know, I, I trust the judgment of this coaching staff and previous coaching staffs. I'll say that. So, we'll make some picks coming up here in uh, just a couple of minutes. And yes, again, don't look at my don't don't look at my record right now. Don't do that. Uncouthed. Uncouthed. It's coming up on Leprechaun Lunch, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Switching is easy. We do it all the time. We switch on the lights. We switch streaming services. Some of us even switch pickleball partners. Well, that's a stretch. But what's not a stretch is how easy it is to switch and save with State Farm. This is State Farm Agent Tim Growl. Whether if it's in Indiana or Michigan, we can switch you over so you can start saving today. My agency is ready to welcome you to the State Farm neighborhood. Call 574-232-9981 when you want the real deal. 
Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 